When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are deep into the Buffett annual meeting. Yes. Are we not? <clears throat> and, well, we're um, coming to the end of it. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah. So, so we're all sort of off kilter right now. So this is the yeah. Invested Podcast. Did you say that? Yeah, I did okay. already. So <laughs> let's let's go. Just let's not be our normal self. Let's just go and do it. Let's 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 dive in. Great. Let's dive immediately. In. Okay. Let's we left talk off about... last time talking about um, just mentioning that where we were leaving off is the question about. Um, gosh, I don't know what the oh the question was about currency. The answer mm-hmm. was certainly about currency. Mm-hmm. Um. And I can't remember what the. And I think was, I said I had some. I had some graphs I was going to. Yeah, well, because discuss. we were talking, and you uh, you had some interesting sources, and I realized we don't really talk much about like following macroeconomic data. And no, we don't. I would For really the prime like... reason that we don't talk about it because honestly, if I knew where interest rates are going to be in six months or nine months or ten months, I wouldn't do anything different. Sure. We just do the same thing all the time. Okay. So I don't macro- know, but then Buffett said, "Oh, currency in circulation has gone from 800, let me get this right, 800, 800 billion. billion to 2.2 trillion uh mostly and it's mostly in $100 bills." And I thought, I don't know what data point he's talking about. He clearly tracks it every week. He said the Fed publishes it every week. And that's something I don't look at. So that was just interesting to me that there's, of course, tons of figures and data out there that um, I am not going to track. But it's just interesting to know it exists. Well, if you want to track it, here's how you do it. You go to Google and you type in F-R-E-D. That's FRED. So that's the Federal Reserve E-D. I don't know what the rest of it is. And it, it, these are data that comes out of the St. Louis Federal Reserve. So it's FRED, and mm-hmm. then you type in currency, or you put in FRED, and then M2, or you put in FRED and Wilshire GDP. Mm-hmm. So those are all things we kind of pay attention to. Well, why? So, my question is, why is Buffett paying attention to this number? Why is it interesting? Currency and circulation. Um, well, the first reason is because they have to watch for inflation in all of his companies mm-hmm. and be and op, operating problems occur from inflation right so you need to be ahead of it a little bit and understand what what's coming down the road at you <clears throat> and when we have 800 billion US dollars sorry 800 billion yeah 800 billion US dollars floating around in actual bills yeah and that's in in 2012 and then in 10 years 
they add another 800 billion and another 800 billion. So here you are in the whole history of the United States, they've never had 800 billion until 2012. And then by 2022, they doubled it and then did it again. They put in another 800, then another 800. And when that happens, you have all this money floating around mm -hmm. in the form of, in this case, $100 bills. And yet it isn't super apparent in inflation. Another Right from 2010, mm. 11, 12, 13, there was no Got inflation it. really. So he's so looking where was at the reality going? of how much printed paper cash. This is what this is. Currency in circulation is printed paper cash, right? Yeah. So and where did it go? So that's where what he's looking go? at, right? That's the concept yeah. here. Okay. Where did it go? And, <clears throat> where and then it went. he said there, it's mostly hundred dollar bills, not smaller bills. Yeah. Which to him, he decided meant that people are hoarding money, are They're saving hoarding stacks of hundred dollar bills. Right. So think about this process. Well, think about the process. If you're trying to get people to buy stuff, which would stimulate the economy back in 2010, mm -hmm. and you print hundred dollar bills and get them out there through the government and all this other way. Um, then there's more money floating around theoretically, but there wasn't because people took the money yes. and put it under their mattress. Yes. And so they said, oh, well, we, that's, that's not doing it. It's not enough. So they print some more and they print some more and they print some more. And they doubled the 800 billion to 1.6 trillion. And it's still under people's mattresses, but they don't know that. They just know it's not having an impact. So they print another 800 billion and now it's up to 2.4. And now it's starting to have an impact. Okay, mm -hmm. now watch what happens here, I think, is that as inflation, there's no inflation, so people have no real incentive to worry about prices going up so they can keep the money under their mattress because it's not being diluted. Mm -hmm. The buying power is staying. Now, all of a sudden, you're in 2022, 2023. Mm -hmm. Inflation's running 6 7 8%. Oh, wait a second. I got to worry about this money that's under my mattress I need to go do something with it. I need to buy something with it before it turns into nothing. And so now all this excess cash potentially can come floating out into the economy hmm. in a way that the Federal Reserve didn't want or didn't expect. And this could be one of the things that's causing inflation to be persistent despite the fact that they continue to raise interest rates to try to slow it down. Hmm. There's just way more cash floating around. And and honey, that's not even that's not even that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg because we're talking about 1.6 trillion dollars of $100 bills that's sticking out there. But when you go to the actual pile of money, which is a uh, called the M2 supply, that includes all the digital currency all of that stuff that's digital is included mm -hmm. in M2, which isn't $2.4 trillion. Okay, it's wait, so that I just want to make that point there. So this is a, now a new data point. New data point that includes And what we need to know is to go look for something called the M2. M2, Fred M2. And when you look at that, you'll be mind-boggled. because they don't make the, it easy for us, do they? <laughs> when the currency is $100 bills and it's under mattresses and there's 2.4 trillion of it, 
you go to the M2 supply, which is the digital stuff. Okay. Right? This is what's showing in your checkbook. It's what's showing in your bank account. Uh, that's $22 trillion. Oh, wow. $22 trillion. And what happened from 2012 to 2022 is it went from just a little over $8 trillion to $22 trillion. So you thought it was bad that they printed $1.6 trillion in $100 bills? Oh, that was nothing. They printed, quote, printed by digital currency, another, effectively, another what, $16, $15 trillion. $15 trillion, not $1.6. So it's really 10 times worse than what Buffett was talking about. 10 times worse. So currency is one issue. Digital currency, they exploded the amount of digital currency. In 10 Why years, is it the 10 federal, times worse? Because in 10 years, <clears throat> they printed 67% of all the money that we've ever had in the country. And they did it in 10 years. And they didn't do it with increased productivity. They did it with just running a printing press, a digital printing press, which means there is all this piles of money out there. And it's starting to be reflected. You're starting to see it in uh, the way people spend money when they don't want to keep it and they don't know where they should put it. Hmm. I mean, we were just talking with uh, somebody last night that collects watches. Mm -hmm. And Rolex watches have gone off the chart in their prices in just the last 10 years. Most um, luxury goods have. Yeah, most luxury goods have. What's that from? That's from people getting more money than they knew what to do with because the printed money ends up in the hands of people who have assets, not the, not the people who need it, not the people who are poor. I mean, certainly they get the benefit of having a major league welfare program. But what happens when people are poor is they spend every cent they've got on basic necessities, theoretically. And then that money gets into circulation and is spent on luxury watches eventually. Mm -hmm. So automobiles going through the roof, watches going through the roof, real estate going through the roof, the stock market going through the roof are all reflections of, of this trillions of dollars that were printed over the last 10 years. No, he didn't. I mean, I think he's talked about that, but he didn't specifically mention that in that answer. Mm -hmm. What he specifically mentioned was this currency that's in circulation in $100 bills. And he really like called that out and so I'm uh, what what am I trying to say like what's the difference no I understand the difference I just think it's 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 a point to me that he chose to talk about the 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 money that's put into piles around the world let's say is it around the world it probably it must be yeah I mean America spends a tremendous amount of money I mean think of the $100 bills that were packaged up and wrapped in cellophane in, in the tune of billions of dollars and handed out in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, okay. just huge piles of money. Because his ending point was, he said, so cash is not trash. Right. Tell in other me words, people that. are, he's basically saying that people are, what, what people do reflects what real, what, in a way, what real values are out there. 
And so if people are hoarding cash, it's proof that cash is not trash, that cash to a great many people is more valuable than any other asset right now. And I think since Warren is also sitting on $143 billion of cash, is unbelievable, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of cash. And he's basically telling us all. Well, and his cash is the M2 kind of cash. Yeah, his cash is M2 digital yeah. current, right? And treasury, right? Treasury bills, all that kind of stuff. But he's basically saying, look, you guys, cash is not trash right now. I'm going to tell you, this shit is going to hit the fan. He didn't say this, but it is going to hit the fan. They don't know when. And cash is not trash because cash is what you need to buy stuff with that goes on sale. That's what I think he was saying. And his proof is that people are hoarding a tremendous amount of cash. Because that's where I think that's where I was like a little bit like, what is he trying to say? Because um, with a massive amount of inflation, cash becomes less valuable. Therefore, the saying cash is trash. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So his point was cash is not trash. Cash is in $100 bills in people's safety deposit boxes or in banks mm -hmm. in the UK in or treasuries. whatever. Right. Um, and it's not just cash cash, like we say that because we're American. It's US dollars cash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so his point was that it's more valuable than we're all thinking. And I'm trying to figure out why he thinks it's more valuable than we're all thinking. Does he not think there's going to be heavy inflation? I think he he thinks that inflation at the rate it's going now uh, will not overcome the buying power of the dollar when things crash. So in other words, it's better since you don't have certainty about when the market's going to go down. Um, your best choice is to put money in, in my view, and I think in Buffett's view, your best choice is to put money into something that's sort of keeping up with inflation, but is highly liquid and you're able to... to get your money out of it very quickly, which would be U.S. government treasuries. And I'm quite sure Buffett has, you know, most of that billions in, in treasuries. Because treasuries are now paying roughly 5%. You can buy treasury bills that are, you can you can ladder them and, and always have liquidity at roughly 45 to 5%. Inflation's probably running 6 or 6 or so. So you're really not losing it at a very fast pace relative to the opportunity it's an opportunity cost of mm. being ready to buy stuff that's you know 80 percent off well and maybe it's also in relation to other currencies with our extremely well, interdependent enough. worldwide economy let's say if there's i mean there is an overall inflationary uh not I'm losing my words today. Not so good economic situation. I'm sure there's a better word than that. Um, maybe he's saying that because people have these, let's just say, stacks of hundred dollar bills, because I enjoy thinking about that, um, 
that's what they're saving for the so-called apocalypse and it's not british pounds and it's not uh whatever the other reserve currencies of the world yeah, may be. It, it's not euros it's not yen it's not yuan right. it's dollars yeah and i think that went with another question didn't somebody ask him about whether the u.s dollar is going to get replaced as a world currency or something like that and yeah somebody did ask him that and i, I think i think buffett just that. said either buffett or munger just said it's there's nothing that can replace it. There's no other currency that looks better. Hmm. I mean, no one trusts China, and they're not going to make that the world currency. Um, and then what else is there? The euro is weaker than the dollar. The yen is weaker than the dollar, and that's it. You're done. So unless somebody invents a new currency that's completely trustworthy, and the problem is, even if they invent it tomorrow, it'll be a couple of generations before anybody believes it. Hmm. It's Right? I mean, you have to... It, I mean, the British pound was going down from World War One, and the U.S. dollar didn't become the world's reserve currency until after World War Two. Yeah, that's that's a long time later. So even though everybody knew the dollar was stronger, actually making the shift was a big deal. It's a major paradigm shift, and there's nothing out there. I mean, the dollar was so obviously better than any other currency in 1920. When right, the German mark was going exploding through the roof with inflation. Right, the 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 British were, were drained from World War One, so um, and were printing money. So yeah, it was no question, and it still took twenty years. Hmm. So you know, it's are there like, any it takes other a long, long time. like data points, charts, statistics that you look at in this vein? So we've got currency in circulation. How is it made up? Apparently Buffett looks at that. We've got the M2, mm -hmm. all the U.S. currency. Yep. Anything else? That's it for me. That's it. Okay. Yep. Good. That's I like short. Yeah. Pretty cool. And then he also talked a little bit about banks. And, well, I mean, not a little bit. They talked for a while about banks and whether or not they were decent investments. Uh. Yeah, and we and, sort of took away two different things from this, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down that, uh, well, first of all, as I mentioned last time, that Charlie agrees with me about banks not being good partners in the investment banking world. Uh -huh. And uh, and they both said that uh, sank banks with sound values can be a good investment. And they said it in a way where it was like, there aren't many of those. <laughs> Yeah. And what and you he, took away was that you really shouldn't be investing in banks. Uh, what I took away and what I wrote in my notes was that <clears throat> that the banking sector is really a problem because deposits are not sticky anymore. And in mm -hmm. other words, people can move their money digitally, literally instantly, mm -hmm. as proven by Silicon Valley Bank, um, as the message went out through Twitter to all of the key investors everywhere in Silicon Valley, yeah. that Silicon Valley Bank was in trouble. They literally pulled their money in minutes and and moved it. And that didn't exist, you know, even 10 years ago. So, so true. Now yeah. today, you can have a bank run. You know, bank runs used to be, be something that would build up. Right. Now it happens in seconds. So it's real interesting. I mean, depositors are completely safe because the government's going to step in, clearly. Um, so we don't have to really worry about a bank run, but on the other hand, you've got this problem of having deposits that are not sticky. The, the idea that banks have big moats 
like that's going to keep you from moving your money from Bank of America to Wells Fargo. That just isn't the case anymore. You don't have to go down there. You don't have to. You can just move it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's like, holy smokes, how do we take depositor money and then invest it in something that gives us a, a, a better rate of return than the money we're paying out to the depositor if we can't invest long term anywhere? This becomes a mm. really big problem. It's like it almost forces a bank towards this short-termism that the stock market is dealing with. That's so interesting. Which is going to keep, which is why Buffett and Munger are both crying for regulation to come back on banks and to force them out of the investment banking world. Yeah. Because as they run into this problem, they're going to be more interested in doing those kind Absolutely. of gambles. I couldn't agree more with that. Yep. So they got guys who are running these banks who are trying to get rich when what they really should be doing, right? They're trying to get rich from their stock options. They're trying to be bonuses. You know, it's just a whole different banker than Jimmy Stewart in, you know, oh, right. what was that movie that we always <laughs> watch at Christmas? It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, It's which, a Wonderful Life. Which we never watched at Christmas. <laughs> well, I think we always did. I, well, I was always at Christmas. Okay. So Buffett was basically saying that they, they've been selling their banking stocks and they have except that most recent quarterly 13Fs came out and showed that Buffett has been buying more Bank of America. So that was interesting. He sold off the rest of them and bought more B of A. Um, Wait, oh. was he questioned about that? Or is that... No, that just that came out. That came out just, right after, That just right? came out. Oh, it just yeah, came I mean, out. Yeah, yeah. Oh. S sort of just out. So no, nobody could answer that question, but I, I wrote down that they don't have confidence in the sector, uh, but clearly they have confidence in Bank of America and they really like the CEO. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. by the way, that's what banking's all about. If you guys are thinking about getting into uh, buying into banks, it's very difficult for a bank to have a moat um, because it's all about the people who are running the bank. That's kind of the moat is you've got Jamie Dimon running JP Morgan and he's brilliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you got the guys who were running Wells Fargo a few years ago, and they were they were they were lazy and didn't pay attention. And um, I think Monahan at, at B of A is somebody that Buffett respects greatly, and is uh, is is buying more right there. But I think when we were talking about this earlier, you were saying that it where else are you going to put your money? I mean, it, it, to a certain degree, having one hundred forty four hundred forty three billion dollars in cash is a problem. Um, right, because you really want to put it someplace. So B of A may be oh, you the mean best which, of a bunch of bad choices. Like what other investments could they what make? What other investments could he be making? Got it, you know? got it. I was like, I don't know where right. else I could put my money, but I'm sure I could think of somewhere. Right. $143 billion. And then and then we he started going into, right I after that, he, he kind of started going into all of our debt and said, Essentially, that we we have to change our behavior dramatically, and the situation isn't good, and that politicians shouldn't make rules about things that they don't understand, and they're absolutely doing that on a regular basis. Um, in particular, Buffett was very critical of Biden putting a trying to put a four point five percent tax on buy back buying back your stock, mm. um, but he said it's just we've become we become tribal. Right. It's like you got the Republicans who hate the Democrats, the Democrats who hate the Republicans, and they're both 
basically printing money to buy votes, uh, whatever whatever administration is in there. Yeah, they were talking about the, the failure of democracy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That and you've got Bank of Japan as an example. You, you sort of got Bank of Japan as an example of where things can go here because amazingly, the Bank of Japan has something like 30%. They've got 85% of the exchange-traded funds in the Japanese stock market are owned by Bank of Japan, really? which is about 30% of the whole market. And wow. they bought back almost all the debt. So it's like they can get away with it because they have a cohesive culture, Buffett said. And we don't. By a cohesive culture, I mean, they're a monoracial uh country when you that's say on get away island, with it get away with what get away with um having the central bank own the whole market they're getting okay. away with it be and and also because they follow they follow their leadership pretty well like so it's a major saving country they just save 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 and what that does is put money real money back in the hands of the central bank the treasury which can then buy back stocks so it's only because the saving rate is so astonishingly high in Japan um, because of their cohesive culture. And that's what you do as part mm. of the culture okay. um, that they're able to get away with this. If we try to do it, we're going to have to print money to do it. And that's exactly what we've been doing. Try to do what? Try to buy back, try to try to keep interest rates down um, and uh, get get more money for the government to put money into things. Hold, Continue to hold up the stock market. They're by getting the away government with, maybe by the government taking action, and um, they have something like a two hundred percent debt to uh, GDP ratio. America has about a hundred percent debt to GDP ratio, and we're in more trouble than they are because we don't have savers. Up. And by the way, that's that's the hundred percent rate is where Greece went into the into the toilet back in two thousand eleven, um, and we're only getting away with that massive debt load because we are the world's reserve currency and that massive privilege lets us print money without uh, people running from the currency. They have to stay with the currency even though it's a disadvantage to them. So what happens instead of people running away from the dollar into the euro or yen or yuan is they print more money themselves in order to be able to sell their goods to America. So it's it is not good. Um, and Buffett is just saying this is madness to keep printing money. Um, destroying the world's reserve currency is madness. I mean, madness is what we're doing. Um, and like we're we're going to pay the price. So we've learned a lesson that we're getting away with printing money in huge gobs. And it is not a joke. We are going to pay a huge price for this. And he's basically pointing out that Berkshire... <clears throat> has created a fortress, mm -hmm. uh, an economic fortress. They're better prepared than times. most countries. Yeah, yeah and, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, honestly, if you're really worried about this as much as you probably should be, Bu Bu Buffett is saying you should buy Berkshire stock and own Berkshire stock and we'll get you, you through it. probably move to Omaha and join the country of Berkshire Hathaway that will be created during the, the wars. There you go. There you go. There you go. Omaha's nice. I like it there. <laughs> are the winters are Omaha? rough. Honey, if you move to Omaha, you'll be so much closer to your daddy. <laughs> I like the idea. It's probably just about as easy slash hard to get to. 
as Zurich. <laughs> probably so. Actually, you're probably right. Although, although getting to Atlanta is only a two-hour flight from Omaha. Oh, there's a nonstop. Oh, sure. There's a nonstop from Atlanta to almost everywhere except Zurich. Except Zurich. Except Zurich. Um, yeah, I, I'm really glad you made that point because I forgot about that part. Yeah, he said that multiple times. He was really trying to give... I don't think he really cares about giving confidence. Like that's not quite what he was going for, but he was trying to let people know how ready they are. Their money is safe. Their money is in a place where they think about how to keep it safe, where they have prepared, they've put plans in place. They're not messing around with the stockholders of Berkshire Hathaway. And I think he really wanted to get that message across. Um, Yeah. You know, Charlie's 99 these guys know that they're living on borrowed time at this point and i think he he wants everyone to feel secure if one of them is no longer around yep 100 100% so i i think that's pretty the the major things of the uh, of the berkshire meeting um they had things to say about oil and gas um but not nothing really, really super that you don't already know yeah. Obviously, when they they do shale oil, it, they run out quickly. So, um, but I think I think obviously Buffett feels like owning energy at this point in time is a really good idea because it will rise with inflation. Um, I I think that he was defending Berkshire's record on emissions and ESG yeah. and all yeah. of that. Yeah, um, um, and particularly the energy. Uh, in Iowa that they own. Uh, he got a question about that. And I liked his answer. You know, it was, he basically was trying to give a sense of the business realities that a business has to go through in a highly regulated, very expensive industry. And, you know, he was basically like, it's not perfect. <laughs> We're doing the absolute best out of anybody, and yep. it's not perfect. I tell you what, just one, unless you've got no, more go things you want to talk about, I, I thought he would really say in a really good thing. Buffett, Buffett's and Munger are both, in their way, humanitarians and are very interested Absolutely. in seeing everyone, everyone prosper. I mean, Warren has said in the past that if you want to have a great society, just think about how you would design it if you were going to be born into the worst and least privileged segment of it. You would want you would want it to be a society where you could prosper. Mm-hmm. And um, he was pointing out that um, when you when you go to world free markets, that it's the best thing because then everything gets cheaper around the world. But what happens when you do that is it creates quite a lot of pain for some people in, in your country. And we see that in America where we have taken an enormous amount of manufacturing overseas, in particular to China, and the suffering that goes on from our middle and lower middle class is amazing. I mean, it's huge. There's just no jobs out there for people who don't have technologically skills or white collar skills. And Bubba was saying, look, free market capitalism helps everybody a lot, but you've inherent in the process is this pain and so what you have to have is a government safety net that takes some of the pain out. And he said, we should probably make those bigger. But here's the thing. If you take all the pain out, 
then you take out all the gain. You can't have a pain-free society because then everybody stops working and there's no capital there. You're, You're spending all of your money paying people to sit around and watch TV and you have no money available for investment in new technology and new drugs and new in new processes. So <laughs> he said in Russia, they tried to take out all the pain in, in, in communist societies. Um, and he says, you, he said in Russia, the old saying was they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work. Oh yeah. that's right. And, right? <laughs> so what our government has to do from Buffett's point of view is they have to keep the best aspects of capitalism, which incentivizes people to work hard and, and save um, while keeping suffering to, a reasonable minimum. Yeah. And he said that the United States has done very, very well. He said, if you look back 200 years ago, we were half a percent of the world population. And now today we're 25% of the world GDP. So even through a civil war, even when women were held down, you know, half our population wasn't being utilized. You know, this progress doesn't come free. It has to be worked for. And so he's basically saying you could, you can go too far. Mm-hmm. And I think he thinks that we're with policies that the Biden administration is proposing where they won't pull back on fiscal spending. They're overwhelming the Fed, what the Federal Reserve can do to hold off inflation. And when they start to tax everything in ways that are stupid, they are reducing the incentive to go out and, and create a better society and more wealth. And so it's a balancing act. And what I think we're seeing is we don't have we don't have politicians on the national level that are capable of doing the right thing. And we're at the edge of what democracy can do. Maybe. And I think it's a big warning. It really is. Yeah, I think so. And I remember he talked quite extensively about when Berkshire Hathaway's textile mill was losing money and losing money and clearly not going to be a viable business going forward mm-hmm. and he absolutely grappled with what to do on a humanitarian level as you said because right. they had so many workers and he said they were mostly portuguese and right. didn't speak much english or didn't speak any english and they're 50 and not going to go be able to learn another career or another what trade. Do you do? what do you do and i know from reading back that berkshire hathaway the company kept that mill open much longer than they really should have from a business perspective. And he did that specifically to support the workers that were there. So he has made business decisions that were not 100% for pure profit. Exactly. And I think he's having lived that. He's not just talking generally. He's not just talking about an idea. He's lived that over and over with multiple of his businesses, but I was struck that that's the one he talked about because that was so long ago. But that's the one that that you could just see. It was still emotional for him. Yeah, they still lived, felt they badly through. about closing that textile plant. Yeah. They, they lived through that whole process. And yeah. interesting to me was that it was Portuguese people in the Northeast that were doing that. And the jobs went to the South. I was thinking the jobs went to China or something. The jobs went to the Southern part of the United States. And then they went to China. Yeah, they, I mean, and they're so not there anymore. Ultimately, yeah. ultimately there. Um, but, but what I think, I mean, this is my conjecture. I think he blames, he kind of blames everybody, right? Like there aren't 
good people on the corporate boss side who are deciding whether or not to keep that plant open a bit longer until the people right. can make their retirement or until they can learn something new. Right. And there aren't good people at the banks making long-term choices about quality investments that are right. going to be able to be paid back uh, to make loans that are going to be able to be paid back. There aren't people on the other side uh, making good long-term choices with investment money. Like it's just all over the place. I think he's, he's wishing people were making choices that were a little more in the middle, a little more humanitarian on the business side and maybe a little more, um, I don't know what the word is for the other side, but a little more maybe um, profit focused. Well, I think, uh, I think Buffett in the, in, Buffett in a more Charlie steady way Warren, rather than in a gambling way. Charlie and Warren are really great great people and and the way they've lived their life neither one of them lives with a lot of bling buffett's in a house lot. he bought in the 1960s they don't live with any. <laughs> yeah i mean and they, they live good lives i mean don't get me wrong we we would all probably live better if we were warren and charlie um you they know they don't have month. one of those ridiculous horrific yachts that the oligarchs have built you know like they you know, are 17 those houses guys are not at all no. blingy. They're family people. They're, they're intellectuals. They, they love what they do. Um, and they're great examples of how to live a really quality life. But it's, you just, I think you, they must look at the world and see the amount of bling that's going on in the richer part of the world. Um, ignoring where that's coming from, because yeah. what it's coming from is borrowed money. You're borrowing against the future because the politicians aren't, they don't care about the future because they're, they want to get elected next year. Right. And the business people don't care about the future because at the top of these companies, they've got the next four years to get rich and then they're going to retire. Yeah. It's like, who's caring for the people who are not in a position to protect themselves? And the answer is nobody. There is no. so much wealth now that if you're not... You know, if you're not driving, you know, really fancy cars and living in a big house, you feel like you should be. You feel like mm -hmm. you're behind the curve. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's I think we're running toward the edge. I really do. And of course, we can't ever forget Ray Dalio screaming from the rooftops that we're running for the edge and that we're there. We're at the edge and it's going to be okay. not good. I don't like so, these uh, extremely negative endings to our podcasts okay then we'll say this um yes. warren buffett and we're wrapped up on the buffett meeting warren buffett god bless him i hope he lives forever and that we get another meeting at least and that we get many more i hope um because he's incredible and what he's done to change the world is is hard to measure but it's it's huge really there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who become you know, financially independent because of Warren Buffett, mm -hmm. because he taught us how to do this. So, I mean, you, really, including, including <laughs> me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think with that, we can, wrap I think it. also just because he says all the negative stuff, but then he always says, we have the opportunity to invest in wonderful companies. Mm -hmm. We can watch what's happening around us. And, all we have to do is, what did he say? We have to uh, 
choose the ideas that are and know which ones are less bad than the other ones. So yeah, we and can if you're not do really that. Sure, if you're not really sure what to do right now, you guys, I think you could do a lot worse. If you don't want to be in cash and you don't want to be investing your own money, I think you could do a lot worse than putting your money in Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I, I would feel better about Berkshire than the market as a whole. What okay. about you? You agree? Yeah, okay. I would. I don't know what price they're selling at right this second. It's, so I, I'm going to temper my statement. It's not crazy. But uh, as always, so you've taught me well, depending on the price. Depending yes. on the price and value. Right on. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks, With that, everybody. we'll be talking about something next, next week, something different. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you. Bye. Until then, bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>